social scientist, Julie Croner. I've spent my life interviewing thousands of people, and now I'm on a mission to scale global empathy. And in kind, I lead guests through the letting go of something they've held inside for years, sometimes decades. And afterwards, I debrief and give you tools and resources to help you start moving emotional blockages in your life. I know firsthand the power of release. Quite frankly, it's changed my life, and the hope is that it changes yours. Hey listeners, welcome to Three Thoughts, where we talk about what human issues I've been thinking and learning about and how you might think about them too. So I wanted to uh, invite you into where I am today. I'm recording from an undisclosed island in Maine. There are many, many islands in Maine. I have, I'm sitting right next to, in a nice overstuffed chair, a roaring fire, which you may be able to hear here and there, some crackles. I've got the smell of the fire, and I'm in a log cabin. There's a tiny hint of fall. This is Labor Day weekend, so um, just perfect weather. And I've been here for a while, replacing my nightly Philly drag racing lullaby with owls and crickets, and it's just been incredibly lovely. So I hope that you can picture this place, and uh, maybe you'll hear a couple of birds or bugs or fire or any of the lovely sounds that I'm hearing around me for these last few days as I gain some peace. I'm really grateful to be able to feel this bit of normalcy during COVID and uh, have a drivable place to go to from Philadelphia. Also because I'm really bracing for like this long winter that I feel like we're going to to be up against. I, I don't know what you think, but I personally think that we're, we don't know enough about this beast to kind of... Uh, take it inside yet, even at a 25% occupancy. So that's my opinion. So I'm hoping that you are all safe and well and weathering this global storm as best you can. I know that not everybody is weathering it at all well. And I, I feel for every single person in this situation. Personally, I've been thinking during this time a lot about the collective or human nature and how to live empathically not only just to talk about it or think that way, but to live it. And what does that look like? And one thing that's always gotten my back up about humans, particularly I think in Western culture, is comparison. And that's what today's three thoughts are on. My opinion is that comparison is generally an evil thing. And ever since I was little, I just react <laughs> to comparison. So anytime I see it or hear it, it makes me immediately rigid and wanting to run screaming from the room. So uh, don't get me wrong. I, of course, do it because I think it's a very natural part of human nature. But I try on a daily basis to practice ways not to do it. So today I, I wanted to explain a couple things that I've been thinking about and learning about Comparison is something I'm exploring in a couple different ways via the podcast, of course, and hearing how other people describe or go through it, as well as just my years of research and interviewing so many people and learning about the human condition, thousands and thousands of people. So it's something I've always taken note of, and it's an enormous topic, and I intend to twist and turn it on its head for years to come but uh, and document it in, in uh, a book. But I am just at the beginning of the journey in documenting its effect. And here are a few of the things that I've learned so far. Thought number one, self as barometer. 
So think about this for a second. Do you do this? Do you compare yourself to others at work, uh, maybe in the physical sense, attractiveness, intelligence, social skills, possessions, clothing, design, (laughs) uh, how somebody lives, down to even the tiniest detail of, I don't know, something like wishing your teeth were as white as fill in the blank. It's, this is something that we all do a lot of times, hundreds and hundreds of times a day. And living this way and trying to use that as the barometer for how your life is going is analogous to just hell to me. It, it spends all of our energy on the wrong things. And it's also based so much on assumptions because we can't actually know. We don't actually know and we can't know. What we see or hear on the outside from someone else is at all accurate. We have no idea if it's who they really are or what they really are on the inside. And that's why for daily life, we must figure out a way that works for us to live according to what we know and feels right within ourselves. It's, it's there. That barometer, that internal barometer is there. It's there right now. It's there all the time for us. It's always accessible. It's just sometimes it's really hard to access it and to remember to access it. You know, my wish for the world with thought number one is that we all become our own best friends instead of what's the typical case, our own worst enemies and critics. It's just really hard work. And that brings me to thought number two. Ditching comparison, just kicking it to the curb, gives you back tons of energy. And I can tell you that across my years of research, all of the data that I've gathered on how people think, do, act, speak, and especially in doing this podcast, getting into depth with so many people, I've learned that many, maybe even most, people look to comparison to tell them if they're happy or not. And some external judgment about what's good or right is just never going to do it. It's never going to be as accurate as your own judgment, like I was talking about in self as barometer. I I can give you, I mean, so many examples. <laughs> and I'm not trying to be righteous here. I want to make sure I keep pointing that out, that these, everything I'm talking about here, I do as well. It's just that I have developed a very keen awareness of it. And I do try to use some of the tactics, I'll throw out a couple today, that I'm mentioning to combat it. It, it is truly a constant radar. It's a constant awareness kind of thing to recognize it. It's like a, it's like a stop, pause and redirect kind of thing. That's what it, this requires. It's, it's so hard. But anyway, I can give you one example. Uh, I mean, I have so many from my daughter, but she's 15. And I am trying to teach her on a daily basis how to wrangle this beast of comparison because I don't want her to wait till she's 50 which is when I started uh, really understanding the tactics behind it, I knew that it always sucked my energy and I knew that it always made me feel really bad, but I didn't know how to, other than just removing myself from situations, which is actually a tactic that works well. But, um, you know, for fear of being becoming too isolated or, you know, extracting yourself too much from from daily life, there are other better ways that you can use to to combat it. So, Anyway, back to my daughter, at least weekly when we, on the drive home from school, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of talk. And we talk about it 
uh, all the time. So, you know, if you have a kid, you know that all of these things come up all the time, test scores. Uh, So one thing that I tell her, rule number one, never ever ask somebody what they got on a test. Why? (laughs) Because the kids who do that are mainly doing it in order to say that, oh, I got a 96, but I was so disappointed. I really wanted a 100. And we all know these kind of people, right? So, you know, the people who are out there making it a topic of conversation are generally doing it for themselves, to boost themselves. They don't really care at all. They don't give a shit what you got. It's they're asking for themselves, right? So they can put it out there. We don't want to be that and we don't want to invite that kind of bullshit in. So, you know, that is absolutely insane. That's something that I teach her all the time. And conversely, when she's asked the question, what to say, some of the language around, oh, what'd you get on the test? When she was really little, we used to say, um, because the school has an actual rule against that, she goes to a Quaker school and you know, there's not supposed to be competition and all those things. Of course there is. You're always gonna have those people that are like, what did you get? What did you get? Right after something gets handed back. She would say, oh, we're not supposed to ask each other that. And so that worked when she was little. Now she's in high school and she just redirects. So she will literally just not answer the question. It's really hard. I mean, if you're 15 and somebody just asks you a point blank question and you redirect to, hey, where do you want to sit for lunch? Yeah, they might look at you weird for a second. But quite honestly, you haven't had to address any other weirdness, you know, by saying, oh, why are you asking me that? Or, oh, I don't care what you got. So please don't ask me what I got. You don't even have to do that. You know, when you're 15, it's hard enough. So just redirect. And, and be done with it. So it's it's one way. There are lots and lots of creative ways that you can craft language around this. But at this point, she's gotten really good at redirecting. Grades are, are one way. And grades can be very serious. You know, the competition in, in grades, it can cause really serious consequences. People are suicidal about the expectations around them for, for grades and things like this. But it's serious in other ways, too. You know, from what kind of house do you have? What social media do you do or not do? That's a really hard one. She's even been told her parents' houses, we have two houses, don't have enough books. I mean, it's funny, you can step away and laugh at it, but in the moment, it's that stings. And, you know, we have two houses and lots of books between us, but we don't have a library in our house. So there's the comparison, right? But obviously, the, the language that I help her craft depends on the situation. Drugs are different than grades. And I just focus her on the internal So if she can develop the skills to pause even for two seconds before she says something that puts her into the comparison tit for tat game and think about how it feels in her body to say that thing, this can all happen in split seconds. She'll save herself a boatload of energy that she can put toward positive things. So silence and a good redirect. These are great skills to have, and they give her the chance to take the high road and not feel gross afterwards for engaging in what she knew was unhealthy talk. And I know this sounds really righteous. It's not. The fact is that the only person who will keep you on a healthy track and honest about your progress too is you. So developing tactics to listen to yourself and to your self-talk. So much of what we talk about on InKind is self-talk. It's a slog, like I'm not gonna lie. This is really difficult work. It took me, as I said, until a year ago 
to start practicing tactics that worked much better than just avoiding people altogether, which is what I had used for decades. So I'm teaching her now and I hear her say some of these mantras. You know, I've heard her in conversations say them. She says them to me out loud uh, and I can feel her struggle to believe them. Um, you know, but right before she's going to tell me something about a test or a grade or a, some level of comparison, some topic of comparison, she'll say something like, I know, I know I shouldn't care what other people are saying about fill in the blank, but, and then she tells the story. So I know that it's getting in her head, but it'll take time to manifest and to believe these tenets because we have to do it with empathy for ourselves too. You know, this all, everything I talk about on the show relates back to empathy in my mind. And it's really counterproductive if we replace gossip and bad talk about others in comparison with the same bad talk for ourselves, that's not going to help us. We need new language. And I'll link to a book that I talk about all the time on the show. It's simple, tactical, and it's all about learning new self-talk language. It's called What to Say to When You Talk to Yourself. Please pick it up. It is amazing. And your nine-year-old can read it themselves or with you. It's something that they can understand. And there is actually a whole uh, at this author's website, Dr. Shad Helmstetter, who was on the show, incidentally, for kids to to learn uh, self-talk. It's serious stuff. Don't um, don't brush it off. It's something that the, the sooner you learn it, the better. Thought number three, pause. Pause to assess how you feel when you're in comparison and then decide if you want to keep doing it. So as a social experiment, you know I love those. Try this just for a day. I bet you only need an hour, sadly. <laughs> so write down every time you think in your head or say out loud something like like this. This is one I said yesterday, actually, myself. I wonder how these people afford to live up here all summer. So I said this as I was exploring a remote island, as I said, in Maine, um, on the hike, one of the hikes of my life, one of the most beautiful places I've ever been hiking and, you know, I just was at, almost at the end of my day, I had had one of the best days I've had in years. And, you know, I'm passing these homes and everyone's on their porch and they're either gardening or they're just sitting outside and they're saying hello to you. I know nothing about these people's actual situation. I don't know if they've rented this place for three days or they live there. It It doesn't matter. I'm making all these assumptions about them and I'm starting to pollute pollute my day and my energy with these depleting and energy sucking comparisons. Why can't I fill in the blank? You know, I'm thinking things like, you know, I'm here for five days trying to cram in all of my peace and quiet before I return to Philadelphia. And these people just have it so easy. Or what have they done to, wow, that was a big pop in the fire. Hope you heard that. What have they done to, to get to this point? right? But none of those things are adding to my energy. They're taking away from the spaciousness that I had around my hike that day and around those hours of beautiful connection with nature. So what I did in that moment is I paused, took just a couple of seconds. And instead of asking any questions of myself, I just made a statement and an observation instead. And I said, how lovely, how lovely that these people have the spaciousness and appear to have more time on, in this beautiful place. 
and they keep it up so well and they're so welcoming. And I just filled my mind with that and also added on a thought of, and if I plan for next year, I can also be here for a month or, you know, find a way to spend more time here as well now that I know about this amazing, fantastical place. So, you know, point being that we do this hundreds of times a day and it's really important to understand that it's human nature. So there's no blame that, I mean, talk about bad self-talk. We don't want to get into a pattern of blaming ourselves for being in comparison. It's completely human and it's completely normal. And we all do it all day, every day, whether we notice it or not. So, I mean, it's funny if you do your social experiment and you only spend an hour a day writing these things down, you'll probably find some that make you laugh because sometimes I was just talking with my best friend, uh, we compare ourselves to to you know to people who have things we don't even want. I'm not a car person, but if I see something like let's use a Range Rover. I do like Range Rover. I'll be I'll be honest. If I see a Range Rover, I do think, gosh, how do these people afford a and I don't even know how much it costs. 80,000, 100,000. I don't even know what these cars cost. But, you know, X amount of dollar car. Gosh, I would I want would like one of those. The truth is I wouldn't like one of those. It's just not something that I allocate money toward. Very normal and natural to compare ourselves and what we have or or um, what we want or think we want to something that's right in front of us more so than something that we really are striving for. Competition versus comparison is where it gets really tricky. I think competition is an aspect or a type, maybe it's a subtype, we'll see, of comparison. I think there are many, many types of comparison, and I have yet to find any that are wholly healthy. I think some can be somewhat serving, but I don't know if I'd call them comparison yet. Uh, Still studying that. But you know, if it comes from competition and this idea or feeling of one-upping, then you know you're in comparison. And just stop to check how it feels in your body. It could be contraction or it could be just your brain saying, that's pollution. It's just like the same way you feel when you're gossiping. You know, you're gossiping to yourself when you're comparing and having this kind of self-talk. It just doesn't feel good. So replacing that instead with these statements that I had about the people, it sounds so subtle and I'm really trying not to be pat here or trite, but it, it's it's that easy. Is just that reframe gave me back all of the spaciousness. It gave me back all of the energy that I had throughout that whole day. And I left this island with all the gratitude for the people who keep it up, who contribute to it, and who make it a beautiful and nice place. I didn't have to leave wanting what they had or wanting more time. I was happy with the time I had there. And that is this very simple, with my daughter, I was calling it a redirect, here for myself, it was a reframe. So I just reframed the comparison question into something that was energy giving, something that was inspiring actually. So when you get to the point that you realize there's enough space for everyone to have all of those, whatever, the things, the money, the friends, the travel, um, the experiences, it's not just reserved for select people, then you're in spaciousness. When you go back to comparison, that's when you're thinking like, 
I'll never have, or how do I get to, or what does it take to, or how did she or he, you're back in comparison. And one is very depleting, and the other one is very inspiring and energy giving. And personally, when I think about thought number three, pause to assess how you feel when you're in comparison, I want to be in energy giving to myself and to others as often as I can. So let's summarize here. Use yourself as a barometer. When we think about comparison, go internal, not external. Ditching comparison gives you back tons of energy. Which would you rather be in? Energy giving to yourself or energy sucking? I know that, you know, depletion is not ever where I want to be. So I can feel it immediately. It's a quick change if you learn how to do it. And thought number three, it only takes a pause. So take a couple split seconds to feel in your body when you're in comparison and decide if you want to keep doing it. These three points alone are huge. They need practice daily and they sound easy, but they're not easy to do. You have to be highly aware when they're happening and you have to catch yourself and you importantly need the new language to replace the old. Otherwise, you're just going to know that it's know that you're there and not knowing what to do about it doesn't help you. You need to know what to do about it. So they need practice daily, just like all communication skills do. And often they take many years to recognize uh, that they're there, to be able to spot them and to correct them, which is why if you have children, please, please, please teach them now so they don't get, you know, to a, to a ripe old age and they're still caught in the what ifs and the why nots. Nobody wants to be there. We can all get there, and I hope you've had something to think about today that got you thinking about your own life and how this might work for you, where it functions, how it might function, and maybe even a start to how to work with it. And just wanted to say thanks for joining me in the cabin today. Hey, one more thing before you go. If you or someone you know is ready to let go of something, let's make it happen. Set up an introductory call with me at inkind.buzzsprout, that's B-U-Z-Z, sprout.com. To listen, just search for Inkind on your favorite podcast player. 